Hey everybody, welcome to the Married People Podcast, where we want to make marriage real, fun, and simple. This week we're talking about the question, how do I help my spouse with the loss of a loved one? I'm CJ, and as always, I'm sitting here with Afton. Hi. And I'm sitting here with Ted. Hey everybody. And today on the Married People Podcast, we are talking about something that's pretty heavy. It is heavy. It is heavy, you know, because we brainstorm these a lot, right? Guys talk about what we need to talk about. And uh, this was actually one that uh, my wife suggested that we talk about. She goes, this is, this has been such a huge part of our marriage. Are you, have you guys, you know, he's done over 50 episodes. Have you, have you gone into this area of what to do when your spouse loses a loved one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And haven't. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've talked to, you know, uh, if you've been a listener for a while, we talked to Sandy Wise, episode 25 and 26, I think it is, about what to do uh, if your spouse is sick. And we talked to her about, hey, what, what happens if you lose your spouse? And that was a really, really uh, amazing conversation and heavy conversation. And highly, I highly recommend listening to that because it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But, so, but we're taking a little different approach to this, uh, to this area this week. And what, we're talking about what to do when your spouse has lost a loved one. Maybe it's a sibling, or maybe it's a parent. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a little different. Yeah, unfortunately, our spouse, you know, at some point in our marriage, they're going to lose people that they love. Yeah. And it usually, it's so tragic and it's such a big deal. And a lot of times it's without warning and mm-hmm. people don't really know how to process it until they're in the middle of it trying to figure it out. So every time we're on this podcast, we're always like, how do we get ahead of the game a little bit? Because a lot of times if we just have some simple conversations or if, if we've at least thought about something, just those thoughts help us to process and mm-hmm. do those times better. They're never easy, but there are definitely ways to handle it better than others. Yeah. We were actually just talking about this this week, me and Hudson, because um, someone we work with lost her brother last week, and we went home that day, and I was like, I just don't even know how I would handle it. Like, mm. if someone that close to me passed away, I have no experience really with death that close to me at this point in my life. Mm. Like, I had, a, a you know, grandparents pass away, and we've experienced th- those kinds of things that depending on how close you are to your grandparents, it, it feels differently right. to you when it happens. For but sure. if it were a brother or someone that close to me, I just told Hudson, I was like, I just don't know how I would cope. I don't know how I would handle it. I don't know what, I don't know what I would do. I have no idea how I would handle it because hmm. it's so difficult. And I just don't know. I have no, nothing in my back pocket to say. Right. And we know it's going to happen. These moments are going to happen in all of our lives, but yet we still, and we see friends and coworkers and that kind of thing face, face that, Yeah. but we still rarely take the time to pull back and think, how how do I want to handle it? How should I handle it? How could I, is it possible to any, in any way, shape or form to prepare for some of those things? And while I don't think that there ever really truly is like a way to be super ready and prepared for when those times come, we can equip ourselves to be prepared to help our spouses, I think, more so when those uh, times come. Because you don't know how you're going to feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know what to say. You don't know, but <laughs> typically, there's less emotion for one spouse than the other, right, Ted? There can be. Or, you know, there's the loss of a child. There's things like that yeah. that's very much a shared, yeah, a that's shared, true. That's a shared true. loss. But yeah. the, the principles, are, I think, are still the same. And yeah, it's so it's so jarring, you know. Afton, I think you said it perfectly. I don't know what I would do with that, and I think that's how most people respond because there isn't a place to park that in our mental garage, right? We don't have yeah. a category for what to do with it, and it's it's devastating and mind blowing. And then we see somebody that we uh, that we love dearly going through it. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
yeah, like I just said, we see people go through it. We think, I don't know how I would handle it. And I think this episode is an attempt to pull, step back and say, okay, how, how could you handle it? And how could you help your spouse walk with your spouse as they process that as well? I think depending on your spouse and their stories, this all looks differently. Like sure. for, for Hudson, my husband, he lost his dad when he was seven um, in a car accident. And he lost his best friend to suicide when he was a senior in high school. He lost his youth pastor in his 20s. Like all of these, he's dealt with death more than anyone I know, like close to you death that like the kind of death that can really shake you up. And so it's, it's those kinds of things where like, um, even last week when we were talking about this with a co it happened to a coworker and it sparked this conversation with us. He was like, I just have experienced so much death at this point that he's like, I, it's almost like it would take someone like you talking to me dying for it to really like shake me again, because he just has experienced it so much that, now you kind of hold everything a little bit loose. Like you mm. hold everything very loosely because you've dealt, you've just experienced so much loss before, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and Ted, I know that, you know, this is something that you and Nancy have faced and this is something you, you talk about in your book, uh, your best us. And that's, that's the other thing that another reason why we wanted to record this, because like you said, Nancy's brought this up. We should talk about this. And, uh, so I wanted to just give you the floor here and, Walk us through what you've been through and what you've learned through that process. Right. So Nancy's like you, Afton. Like she has, you know, she's lost her grandparents and they were older and it was a blessing, mm -hmm. to be honest. They had suffered for a really long time. And so we said death never feels right. If they'd ever felt right, it was kind of in those situations. She was still devastated, but right. at the same time, it, it seemed to make sense. The natural order of things made sense. So I have a little bit of a story like... Hudson's, mm -hmm. this whole losing people thing started really early for me. Uh, I lost my mom when I was 10, suddenly. So that kind of started this, that whole journey with that. And so that sort of does something to a kid that he doesn't know what's happened to him because he doesn't have a category to do with it, mm -hmm. deal with it. And so you kind of uh, parent yourself a little bit growing up. So there's, you know, you sort of learn to walk with a limp in many ways uh, relationally. Mm -hmm. But I remember, I think I thought that because I had gone through that, that I had only way to know how to describe that I had paid off the grim reaper is what I used to mm, say. Mm. Like this won't happen again. It already happened to me. It already happened to me. And yeah. it was, it felt cruel then. Yeah. So yeah. I can't imagine, you know, as a believer that, yeah. that it would happen again. Yeah. So, um, after my mom passed away, her sister who was just 12 years older than me, was 22 at the time said, I'm here for you. I'm always going to protect you. Don't you worry, you're going to be okay. And she had a baby at the time, and it was two. So she raised us in this. It was this, uh, in many ways, I mean, I live with my dad. My dad, of course, raised us as well. But she was the mom figure in many ways, and then later my stepmom. But she, we are very, very close. And as I got older, she became more like a sister. And uh, her son struggled with uh, drugs and alcohol starting at 14 years old. Mm -hmm. So our role would kind of change because I was kind of in ministry and she was kind of leaning into me going, what do we do? How can we help him? Mm -hmm. And so I've never seen a family fight for a kid like they did, but he just had a hold of him. And so um, we tried so many things, but he, in his mid-20s, um, OD'd. Uh, he passed away. And um, it, 
I was mortified. Mm. Uh, he was more like a way more like a brother than he was a cousin. Mm. That's why I hate calling her aunt and I hate calling him cousin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was way closer than that. And so especially the fight had been so fierce and so intentional. And so it was a family that was like, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do this. We're gonna fix this is gonna be okay. This is gonna be a story of redemption. We're gonna this is gonna be fine. And then it had a whole different message. And then a couple of years later, she 49 years old, gets this odd infection and passes away. Um, you know, and she had been like a grandparent to my to my kids. My kids adored her. Mm. Um, they were really confused. You know, they were six, four, and two. They were really confused, especially my old one who was smart, you know, beyond his years. Like he, they called her and her husband Lolly and Pop, and he was, uh, you know, I'm trying to protect him and do all these different things. And so, but I didn't do so well. Like I felt like I changed. It's very, very quiet, very withdrawn, would save all my energy for work. We were still doing major events at our church where there were thousands of people there and I'd have to pull everything I had to muster to create these events. They would be three days long. I'd give a message on these things uh, and then I would just, I would shut down. And grief was a weird thing for me did talk to a grief counselor about it, and she says to me, she said, you know, you've heard about the five stages of grief, and I said, yes, and she goes, I don't like those. She said, <laughs> grief's more like an ocean. You never know what the day's going to bring, mm. and I resonate way more with that than then, like, I'm walking up these steps, because steps yeah. for me feels like once you get to the top, you're done, mm. and I don't think grief works like that. At least it has not worked yeah, like that yeah. for me, so um, I would do odd things, like I would call her, <laughs> I would call her cell phone and leave messages. And I told my uncle, I said, I don't want you listening to him. And if you turn that phone off, I will destroy you because I needed, I needed <laughs> yeah. that. So a lot yeah. of times I would call on the way home and leave a message with her. And I'm mad at you for leaving me, like all these things. And so, mm-hmm. but I wept a lot. Like I cried enough tears to float a boat. I mean, it just, and not around people so much. But the way this ties back into marriage is I could do that with Nancy. I could mm-hmm. do that in front of, of Nancy. And the reason that we talk about it in the book is I feel like as somebody that's grieved a lot, that's been in ministry, it's done a lot of funerals, been around a lot of people with loss, I think a lot of times well-meaning spouses and people uh, do things that unintentionally hurt the person. They're not meaning to, but it, but it hurts. And so I told Nancy, I said, you need to write a, a book on how to help people who are trying to help people that are grieving, and it would be a sentence, you know, don't don't fix it. Because she would mm. say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then she'd pat me on the chest, and she'd go, oh, your heart, your heart. I just don't know how your heart's taking it. Mm. She goes, your mom and now her, your mom and now her. And so it's like, that's all she did. She didn't try to fix it. She'd just go, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. This is so crazy. She said that often. This mm. is so crazy. And I needed that because it mm-hmm. was so it crazy. It feels crazy yeah. when you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. felt so yeah. crazy. And she just acknowledged it, that it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I just can't believe this. I can't believe this. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, I because I there would be moments where I'd feel like I'm going crazy. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm going crazy. So for her to acknowledge it and just pat me on the chest. Just like then, validate your feelings. Yeah. yeah. So how long did, did that season uh, go on with Nancy kind of 
stepping in and helping you. I don't know if she helped you process, but supported you through that. Or is it something that, like to your point about the ocean waves thing, it still mm. comes comes and goes and you never know what the day holds and, and it's just less frequent? Or wh- how long did that last and what does that look like? You know, I think it like? lasted too long. I really do. Like I've watched, you know, we've had some dear friends who are, where the wife was in a car accident. And I've watched how their family and their adult children have handled the Mm. loss of her. Mm -hmm. And it was sudden, and it was quick, and it was unfair, and she was 60 years old, and it was all these things, and it was so pointless. And so, Mm -hmm. and I've watched this family, like, rally around and turn it into, we're going to honor her by dedicating, you know, donating money to a charity, and we want you to donate Mm -hmm. money to charity. And they would just, they keep, we're going to keep living our life, and we're going to celebrate her by doing this. I was not that. Mm-hmm. I wish I had been more of that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I was sad. Mm-hmm. I was sad. I was frustrated. I was withdrawn. I would, I would fake it with my kids because I remember asking my brother, what are we going to do? And he goes, we've got kids. We're going to fake it. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, he's exactly right. I got to fake this. Like I can't let, this was my childhood. I'm not going to let it be my kids. Mm-hmm. So I would, man, they, daddy still played and they were little and daddy still takes us to the movies and daddy still giggles and tucks us in and tells us stories. And then bam, I was out. Mm. Uh, So Nancy got more of the real of that. Which I'm sure that's hard for her to watch too. Like, I'm sure she had every opportunity to be like, man, I don't get any of the, the fun parts of your day. I get the just sad parts, which I'm sure she appreciates Mm. you being real, but. Oh, for sure. She, that's why I say I wish it hadn't lasted so long. Yeah. It's for her sake. Mm-hmm. Is that she, because she had never dealt with it. So any reaction was I, that I was having was normal, maybe. Right. She didn't know. And so um, I always say, I'm not the one, don't follow my model of, of grief, but you can follow Nancy's. <laughs> because she was so understanding and she was so available and she so allowed me to be sad and she so would fill in the gaps. Yeah. Well, at the same time, though, Nancy also, I'm, I'm listening to your story because uh, we haven't heard this. Afton and I haven't mm-hmm. heard this, you know, especially not in this kind of transparent detail, right? But at the same time, I'm hearing Nancy's filling in a lot more gaps. To Afton's point earlier, every situation is different. And someone, a loved one might pass away and you have a bigger community around you, uh, maybe a bigger family who's all in it together in a way. Mm-hmm. But in your your story is so unique in that you have had so many parts of your family pass away. So now Nancy's almost having to fill in gaps where where mom could have been a comfort, where mm. where you know your mm-hmm. aunt was a comfort, but then she's gone too. It's so you know you know you know yeah, what I mean. Like you had she had to fill more gaps that mm. other people who passed away could no longer fill those either. Mm-hmm. Well said. I mean, my aunt was always the one. That if anything great happened with kids, we called her. Mm. I was she was first. She's first call. Something great happened to work. She's the first call. You know, other than Nancy, like she was our, you know, she was first call. And we always laughed that she loved our kids better than us now kind of thing. And that was totally cool with that kind of thing. But it got to the point where she was so great. And then it hit me one day. I thought, I've got to stop. I've got to, I've got to start living and stop focusing so much on this. Um, and when I've seen people do it, better, <laughs> you know, the Sandy Wises of the world. Mm. I kind of regret that. At the same time, it drew us together, Nancy and I, in a way 
that it, it's cements thing. And when I think mm-hmm. about marriage and the beautiful parts, you think about what a couple sees together, the funerals, but, but the weddings and the births and the celebrations and all these things. And so we see those things. And I think that's the beautiful richness of marriage as we have walked through these things with each other. But I decided one day, I was just like, okay, um, she would slap me in the face right now. Like if she could, you know, people say, she wouldn't want you to do this. She would not have wanted me to do this. And it took me <laughs> too long to realize that. And so I was like, all right, I'm getting myself together. I'm going to stop using this as an excuse. I'm, and uh, so one night I, I was saying something, what I thought was funny to Nancy, like, and she looks and she goes, mm, mm. I went, are you Christian mooing at me right now? And she's like, what? And I was, oh, that was supposed to be funny. And she got the oddest look on her face. That was supposed to be funny? Like, she was so excited that potentially, oh my gosh, is he back? Like, like he, and I, he cracked a joke. I cracked a joke. Oh my gosh. Because I had been so dark for so uh-huh. long that it was like, mmm. Everything like, was kind of She just... was so excited that that was supposed to be funny. I went, yes, it was supposed to be funny. And I went, hey, I, 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 I'm, I'm coming back to you. I am coming. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been, I am coming back to you. And so for her, she was like, oh. Finally. And she talks about now that we're on the other side. She talks about how hard those times were. Mm-hmm. And it was hard her watching me, but it was also hard for her because, mm-hmm. you know, it is I'm watching somebody I love hurt and I don't know, I don't have the thing that I can do to make him better. Right. Uh, and, you know, he's playing with the kids, but he's not he's not hundred percent. He's not hundred percent Ted right now. So mm-hmm. if this was about how do you help your spouse cope with loss, I would say, you know, Here's a couple of thoughts, you know, as we were putting this together, because we always want to make this super yeah. applicable. A couple of thoughts is listen and don't fix. Mm-hmm. Like you, people go, I don't know what to say. I say, good. Mm-hmm. If you say, I do not know what to say, perfect. Uh, don't worry about what you have to say. It is, I'm listening to you. I, I'm, I'm sitting right here. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to, you just say, God, you're hard. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's got to be so hard. So that run like a wounded dog from cliches like <laughs> you know Jesus must have wanted a flower or mm-hmm. you know that kind of you know uh, heaven needed another angel they're in it's a better place a it's all yeah. for a reason like that doesn't help at all and mm-hmm. it makes you feel stupid for caring and so stay away from cliches I mean some go-tos are like I'm so sorry and for what it's worth, I am praying for you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to pray, but I, you know, I love you. And I'm praying for you, mm-hmm. and I'm just so sorry. Mm-hmm. So you know, and because people bless their hearts, they would they were trying to comfort us, and they would say things like those kind of things, and I'd be like, oh, no. mm-hmm. it doesn't help. And I think that's a pretty common, pretty common thing. The other thing I would say to do is to realize that that every day's different for somebody that's grieving. I mean, they may be like, hey, they're cracking jokes and they're back and it's so great. And then you go see, watch some television show and then you look over there, they're crying. You're like, what just happened? Mm. So know that, again, grief's like an ocean more than it is steps and know that every day is going to be a little bit, a little bit different. You know, it hit me at at weird times. Yeah, and it still happens. You know, my oldest son just graduated high school and I was sad that she wasn't there. Like I, of all the emotions of him growing up and different hmm. things, I was like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. I talked to her daughter, who I'm really close to, uh, and she's got two sons, and I'm she's missing her mom. Mm-hmm. She tells she goes, I just want to ask my mom some things. Mm-hmm. Is that helpful to have somebody that is kind of experiencing the same loss and that you're able to talk to? I think so. I think so. And it's it's never exactly the same, but I think it's the—and her daughter grieved way differently than I was. She was 18. 
So she would take it in little steps. Mm. I said, I'm an Old Testament griever, and she's a New Testament <laughs> griever. Like, I'm gnashing of teeth, <laughs> ripping of clothes. Uh, she would take it. She's taken it more in steps. Uh. So I've watched her over the years. Now, she, you know, part of her grief is I want my mom here helping me with my kids and right. talking about my kids. And, you know, he just started kindergarten, and I want my mom to be excited. And so she's missing those things. Mm-hmm. I will text her or email her every year the day when she was born, mm-hmm. my aunt's daughter, because mm-hmm. I remember because I was 18 when she was born. And I will text her every year, this is what happened, and these are the things. Because... Nancy's mom's really great about traditions, and mm. she will tell their birth story every year mm. or what the day looked like. Mm-hmm. Not the birth story. Nobody wants to hear that story. Right. Uh, Not too many details. But, the, but I will do And she says, I love this no. every time. There's a different detail every time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's being there with each other. You know, I can never replace her, her mom, but just as her mom was oddly close to me and comforting to me, I think we are for each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, as she's gotten older, she can come for me just as much as I can comfort her. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, and there's another person on the planet that cares mm-hmm. as much. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's key. And my, and Nancy was close to my aunt too. Like mm-hmm. she's got her own loss mm-hmm. of her children having her. Yeah. And she would say, we weren't as close, but she was pretty darn close. Uh, we yeah. always tease that she liked Nancy better than me now, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. So yeah, I think it's, um, and for me to respect the fact that she's lost someone too, because mm-hmm. you don't want, you don't want to lose anyone that your kids love. Right. So you're grieving on so many levels, but yeah. yeah. I think that's part of it. Let them grieve in weird ways. You know, just call my aunt's cell phone on her. That was really weird. She never went, that's bizarre. Why are you doing that? It's like, whatever works for you, buddy. (laughs) You do you. You do you. Standing in the gaps, like saying, you know what? I know you were going to take the kids to wherever. Today's not a good day. I can tell it. You go do your thing and I'm going to take them. You're kind of standing in those kind of gaps. You know, just being their advocate and letting them cry and they're going to repeat themselves. And, you know, if they're extroverted, they're going to repeat themselves a lot. And then I would say you got to take care of you, too. Mm -hmm. Like it will drain you like no other. I imagine when your spouse has has lost one and you're, boy, wow, are you having to be selfless, right? So it is take care of you. Make sure you've got some friend that you can talk to and share with that this is hurting you too and you're tired and those different things so yeah. uh, that'd be part of it too is don't forget that you've got <laughs> you've got needs too but mm-hmm. um, yeah so I think you know it is one of those things that draws a couple together it's probably going to happen to most of us it feels like death when it happens it feels like you're never going to be okay again mm-hmm. you know and she <laughs> said that as soon as I got the news she said the first thought in her head was he will never be the same she just, he can't handle it. He would not be able to handle this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but. Do you feel like that's been true? To a degree. Mm-hmm. To a degree. But here's the weird thing. Because of the way she handled it, we traded in one thing for something richer. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like I'm a little bit more. Like you're closer to Nancy now? Yeah. I think yeah. we're closer than ever. I, um, you know, there's the, again, the learned walking with a limp. All the people that have passed away, I got told in the middle of the night. With my mom, my aunt, and my cousin. It was a wake-up call in the middle of the night. So if you wake this guy up in the middle of the night, you, you might get yourself punched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she surprised me for my 40th birthday to take me somewhere. And she's like, everybody is okay. Every, like not wake up. Everybody's okay. Everybody is okay. Everybody. So we have those kind of residual PTSD stuff going on a little bit. But what we have now is is richer it's just a richer relationship because mm-hmm. of of that. It's a world that only the two of us know mm-hmm. uh, that I would, didn't let anybody else in on. 
you know, but there's things that still linger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's part of the beauty of marriage that, you know, it's it's great to have someone that you can go on dates with and have fun with and, you know, live life with, but then there's there's that deeper, richer connection that there's something intangible about knowing someone deeply and being deeply known and walking mm. through some of these super intense seasons of life that just bonds you together and brings you together for the rest of your lives. And, and it can bring you closer together than ever. And that's part of, you know, what we're talking about here is that how you handle loss can either connect you or disconnect you from your spouse. And this is a situation that's going to happen to all of us. And hey, you can use it to either help the healing process for your spouse or hinder the healing process for your spouse. And you can use it to either, you know, drive a wedge between you or, or bring you closer together. Absolutely. Perfectly said. And yeah, I mean, to piggyback on that, because I was kind of curious of the same thing. Did you make a conscious decision like, I'm leaning on Nancy for this. Because I think, I mean, like you said, it can be something that kind of draws a wedge between you where you can mm. say, I just want to be left alone. I don't want, and it could it can be really detrimental to your relationships. Mm. Do you feel like, were you aware that you were clinging to her or did you make a decision to cling to her? Or? Well, That's a good question. That is a perfect question. And what's so funny, and the reason I love the analogy that, that grief is like an ocean is sometimes I wasn't clinging to her. Sometimes I was being totally quiet. Sometimes I was, I don't want to talk about this. Sometimes I was, I would be quiet for a week. Mm. Sometimes it would, I can cry in front of her. She just knew I was sad and gave me room to be sad mm-hmm. and would say just a few things. How you doing? And sometimes how you doing would <laughs> I'd fall apart. <laughs> That's all you needed. Yeah. yeah but it's, it's so many different things. That's the thing with grief and it depended on the personality is she would let me, and sometimes I'd be frustrated or sometimes I'd be irritable. There would be all these different things. And so it wasn't as much of this thing of I'm going to cry and I'm going to extrovert and say all this stuff and you just need to sit here and, and, you know, and bemoan the whole thing. It was more of like, I know she's there. I know she's got my back. I know I've got space to do this. Mm -hmm. I know she's not going to be frustrated with me. She's going to allow me to grieve however I need to grieve for the day. Mm -hmm. And that was the the miraculous part of it is the poor thing didn't know what who, what's mm-hmm. coming in. And I wasn't mean. She would say that because you were never mean to me. Mm-hmm. You're never mean to us. You were just disconnected sometimes, or you were just you were just sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so she allowed those different emotions, and I think that's it. And it, it's so hard not to take it personal for people mm-hmm. to feel like, gosh, well, if why aren't we enough? Right. Like, why are we not enough for you? I mean, you've got everything to be thankful for. She could have said all those things to me, and not one person on the planet would have blamed her, right? Hey, listen, she would not want you doing like this. She would not want you being sad. We're here. These kids need you. You know how it is to lose a parent. Don't you dare. Li- I mean, mm. she could have came out with all of those, and no one would have blamed her. Yeah. But I think that would have prolonged the process even, yeah, even more hindered the healing process. hindered the healing yeah you know? yeah and it was here was the thing like I don't know how to describe this but a lot of this was internal angst on my part mm. right and it it didn't make me mean it didn't make me unavailable it just it made me different and mm-hmm. it made me odd <laughs> it made me I'm, of course I'm still odd but for <laughs> for real during that time and so it was just her unconditional, I'm not fixing anything. Mm-hmm. We're going to take it one step at the time. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we're just going to live today. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Well, this is, Ted, we appreciate you being, you know, so forthcoming with your story and being transparent and vulnerable. And, you know, I, I, I think this is helpful. And it's really, really, really hard. You can't put a formula on this stuff. Right. But you sharing your story and processing it and then, you know, listening out some of these things like, hey, here's some, here's some things that might help is super helpful. And again, these are just, these are just things that might help. Like nothing's going to to your, you know, what we said at the very beginning, it does, the goal is not to fix anything, but the goal is to support your spouse. And, uh, sometimes we just don't know where to start and maybe here's, here's a place to start yeah. when the situation does happen in your relationship, in your marriage. Right. Right. So we do want to attempt, attempt <laughs> to boil this very, very, uh, hard, heavy, big topic down to something that is, is more practical, is more tangible because here's here's the thing. It's like this is this is all helpful. When the moment happens or something does happen, we probably won't remember everything we just talked about, Ted, right? Sure. But maybe there is something we, we will remember. Maybe there is something that, hey, after the initial wave of grief has passed and that, you know, a few days later, a week later, two weeks later, maybe maybe something will come to mind and maybe it'll be this one simple thing. And what is what is that one simple thing? Yeah, and that, when I thought about this episode, I thought, you know, probably somebody is Googling this because they're in the middle of it. What do I, how do I help my spouse when they've lost a loved one? So I imagine a lot of people that are listening to this are listening to it out of yeah. like, oh, I'm in the middle of this. Yeah. Because if I'm listening to this on a weekly basis, I'm probably skipping this one. <laughs> right? Yeah, you maybe. know what? Life's yeah. hard enough. I'm skipping a lo- losing a loved one. Yeah. I'm just being honest. That'd yeah, be me, yeah. right? Sure, yeah. I'd go right on to This American Life. We've got all the, how we've got stuff all works. the, the completists, though, who are listening to every <clears throat> episode. Uh-huh. There are a few of those. And we love you, completists. All right. So I would, I would say if you're in the middle of this, if your spouse is in the middle of us, middle of this, there is one question that you could ask and it's just, how you doing? It's just, how you doing? And then just listen, just listen, uh, ask lots of questions. Um, don't fix anything. You know, to me, like I've been in ministry forever and my favorite small group leaders were always small group leaders that work with students that said, I don't have all the answers. I'm like, good, because if mm-hmm. you do, we're not going to let you be a volunteer mm-hmm. uh, because we need you to listen. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just just listen to them. Just listen to them. Ask them how they're doing. And I've noticed that just I'll, I've been in ministry my whole life. And just I, you watch when someone's hurting, all you got to do is tee it up just a little. Mm-hmm. How you how you doing? And so that's kind of the joke at our house. I go, I saw so-and-so today. She goes, did you say how you doing? I said, uh-huh. Because mm-hmm. then people, ugh. Oh, because a lot of people, just they just need somebody that's like saying, I, I'll listen, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So that would just be, I would just say, ask them how they're doing and just listen. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, again, Ted, we can't thank you enough for being open with your story and just sharing your experience, you know, and, and, and Nancy's uh, experience walking with you through this. This is, I think this is super helpful stuff. So thank you. And thank you for listening to the Married People podcast. If this was helpful for you, or if you know somebody who's uh, walking with a spouse uh, through a situation like this, maybe consider sharing this episode with them. They, it might be a helpful resource for them when the time is right for them to listen. And as always, for more marriage resources, check out our website, marriedpeople.org. Until next time, I'm CJ. I'm Afton. I'm Ted. And thank you for listening.